let's grow together in God's Word. That's a, that's a good encouragement. Wouldn't you agree? Let's grow together in God's Word. Thank you, Haley. Um, what is, I, I've just been reflecting on this. I've, I've been reading this study lately, and I'm not versed in it enough to really talk about it um, with a lot of detail. But there's some research happening about the response of a person's life when they are consistently in the Word of God. And it really is kind of bizarre. And uh, coming into 2020, I'll be talking more about this. But to be in the Word once a week, welcome to church where we're about to get in the Word. How many be glad we get in the Word? We don't need more clever. We need power. We need the Word of God. That's why we're here, to press into what God wants to reveal. And so we do that when we gather. But what they showed was people who got into the Word one time a week didn't have a lot of effect on overall expressions of their lives. In fact, two times a week. If they maybe you know, came to church and then read their Bible one time or three times a week, there wasn't a lot of difference in the progression of that. But four times a week, it spiked to be creating an incredible difference in people's lives. Like their morale, you know, issues of morality started coming into focus and into alignment. Uh, confidence, depression dropped dramatically. How many of you believe in the power of God's Word? There's something about consistently getting in God's Word that begins to transform our lives. Uh, I believe that today God wants to awaken something in us in that regard, where we've come into an atmosphere where we can begin to devote ourselves to a greater pursuit and a, a experiencing a more pronounced experience to the atmosphere of God's presence in a way that it actually begins to shape the way we think because it's transitioning or transforming who we truly are. So the whole turn the page challenge, I think, is a very significant challenge because it puts people on a daily routine of just getting into the Word and getting before the Lord and allowing Him to do a work. This is not about religious devotion. Do we all understand that? It's not about religious devotion. It is about a relational encounter that God desires to have with His children on an ongoing perpetual basis. And when you start experiencing that, mark my words and please hear what I'm saying. It's absolutely essential to what... I believe God wants us to understand today, when you begin to experience that consistently, it begins to change some things about you and begins to produce the you God designed you to be. You know, I, I've been reading this, um, this bio about George Mueller. Perhaps you've, you've heard of George Mueller. He lived uh, over 100 years ago. And in that... Uh, in his life in the 1800s, he actually had a heart for um, helping children that had no parents and began to really look for ways to make a difference in the lives of orphans. The interesting thing is he didn't really know what he was doing. He didn't really have any funding. How many of you have a dream or a desire to accomplish something and you really don't have any way to make that happen? Can I just say, raise your hand high. A lot of times we don't even dream because we don't see the way it's supposed to take place. And what we're doing is putting the natural side in front of the supernatural when we're doing that. And so what we, what we need to do is transition our thinking like George Mueller did. He just simply did the best he could with what he had. One thing leads to another. All you have to do is start. How many know God works with a seed? 
All you have to do is start. He began to make a difference in one orphan's life and then another and then another. And ultimately, he began to open an orphanage in and of itself. And I want to read to you about an occurrence that happened in that particular orphanage. Um, it says, the children are dressed and ready for school, but there's no food for them to eat. The house mother of the orphanage informed George... Oh, she informed him there's no food to eat. My reading is not always the best, so hang with me. Informed uh, that there's nothing to eat. George asked her, take the 300 children into the dining room, have them sit at the tables, and then he thanked God for the food and waited for it to arrive. Now, that's kind of wild right there. How many of you know the walk of faith does not look like a normal walk? But we have such a normal walk that we think the walk of faith is just not possible for us. I'm just here to say, if you can see the invisible, God will use you to do the impossible. You've just got to be willing to see it. So all 300 children are there. They've prayed. And suddenly, uh, George said uh, he prayed and knew that God would provide for the children like he always did. Within minutes, a baker knocked at the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I couldn't sleep. I mean, you know, God will mess up somebody's sleep life if that's what it takes to bless them kids. Last night I couldn't sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and baked three, bratch three batches for you, and I'll bring it in. Soon there was another knock at the door. It was a milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage, and the milk would spoil by the time the wheel was fixed. He asked George if he could use some of the free milk. George smiled as the milkman brought in 10 large cans of milk, just enough for 330 children to have their breakfast that day. Come on, let's just celebrate the faithfulness and the goodness of God. God is so faithful. God is so good. That is one of many absolutely miraculous stories that we read about in his life. And it's pretty wild when you think about over the course of his lifetime, he actually cared for more than 10,000 orphans. I wonder what his posture in heaven is going to look like in comparison to mine or yours. It's a very important idea that we talk about today. The walk of faith is a walk where we're getting into the presence of God consistently, earnestly, sincerely, allowing him to transform our lives so that we are releasing his kingdom in the earth in a powerful and profound way. There are people waiting for you to figure out who you are, and there are people waiting for you to move past your fear into a place of faith to let the dreams that God has placed within your life begin to explode in every direction on this planet. How about it? We go there. I just believe God wants to do some things, and we're not going to let fear hold us back. There's some things I'm sensing for 2020 that are a little bit mind-blowing. I just have to tell you, it's a lot easier just to sit back and take it easy, but that's not how we're designed. It's a lot easier to play it safe, but how many of you know Jesus didn't, didn't die so we could come to church and play it safe? I want to challenge you as we get into the 2020 year, moving into this year, focus in. We're really taking those first 40 days, and we're just bringing an emphasis of what it means. I want you to hear me. Let's follow the example of Christ, and let's devote ourselves to sacrificially getting before the Lord our God. Let's gather, not just when it's convenient. I'm so glad you're here today. I have to tell you, I'm a pastor, in case you didn't know that. I've been pastoring for a while. And when it looks a little drizzly outside like it does today, you know what my prayer was on my drive-in this morning? 
Lexi's in the car with me, and I prayed this out loud. Lord, help people not to make excuses. Help them to get through the drizzle to come to church. How many know there's some people, they get up in the morning, smell like rain, we're going back to bed. (laughs) I want to just challenge you, in the year 2020, let's not make excuses. Let's sacrificially fulfill what God's called us to fulfill. That means gathering as the church. That means devoting ourselves to dig in deeper in the Word, not just when it's convenient, but actually purposefully doing that when it's inconvenient. It becomes a more fragrant expression to the Lord. Here's one. How about giving? How about understanding that God's always made our giving a part of our worship? It's really important that we understand the tithe isn't some obscure idea. It's always been a part of the plan. And so I, I realized, you know, if I had more, I would give more. And, and everybody in the room could say that, and we probably would. But God's not interested in the more you don't have. He's interested in what you do have. He never works with what you don't have. He always works with what you do have. And if you're willing to give him something to work with, how many know he'll enlarge your life? So I want to encourage you, I'm kind of shocked by the statistics, and when I say this, it really makes some people mad. Some people in this room really sacrificially uh, give, and when I say literally 50% of the people who attend the church give nothing or nominally, like less than my children did when they were six years old type of thing. Uh, Some people who are really givers, they will come up to me after when I say that, so I try not to say that very often. But I'm simply saying that to communicate to you, wherever you are in this journey, purpose to, I mean, set your, we do a a recurring transaction out of our bank account that every month it just sends a monthly amount in, and then we do offerings or whatever. Set something in motion. If you give God something to work with, I'm not just talking about your finances, I'm talking about your time. I'm on this for next year. Let's, Let's give the first 40 days of the year into motion in a sacrificial fashion to set the tone for a new you, a new faith, a release of the next level dream of the things that God wants to do in your life and in your future. How many of you agree? Well, I'm preaching today, whether I get clapped at or not. Might as well just go ahead and clap at me because I'm not shutting up. I'm so thankful for the faithfulness of God in every one of our lives. And there may be some George Mueller's in the house, but let me say there may be some George Mueller's in the children of the house. And your kids are never going to learn generosity from their buddies. They're going to have to learn it from you. They're never going to learn sacrificially serving others from their friends. They're going to have to learn that from you. Your, Your sons and daughters and your spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. Let's raise up the next generation to understand the call of God where maybe one of our sons and daughters would rally 300 children in a room and say, we're going to pray and we're going to believe God and God is going to come through and all those children are going to see the faithfulness of God and that will impact their faith as well. Praise God. You know, I just want to be cooperative to the conversation the Lord wants to have and I, I actually wrote down I'm going to take these next few weeks and just be very reflective. I know um, in a social media world, we interact a lot. I'm not going to be interacting, um, responding to church-related things for a few weeks. Tracy and I have been married for 30 years this month, and we're celebrating. And the way we're celebrating is to step back and take some time to reflect and pray, to think about all that God's entrusted to our care, all the relationships that have been entrusted to our care, 
and really consider what is it God wants to do in the next season of our lives? That's a pretty important question that we should all be asking every season of our lives. And so I'm just, uh, I've worked hard to get all sermon prep into January. So these next few weeks, uh, I'm not doing any sermon prep. All my prayer and emphasis is just on, Lord, I just want to be everything you've called me to be. I want our marriage to be everything you've called our marriage to be. I want our lives as a family to be everything God's called our lives to be. I really want to give myself to that. I want to encourage you in that. I have had two conversations in the last two weeks that are um, grievous conversations to me. Because in both those conversations, uh, the individuals said to me, I know it's not right. It's just what I've decided I'm going to do. And they're making decisions to go in a direction that have a lot of consequences. And so this week when I had the conversation with somebody, I, I just pushed back and I said, boy, regret's a terrible price to pay on this side of uh, eternity, but especially on that. What would George Mueller, what would that conversation be like had he not done what God had called him to do? I mean, I want you to think about it. Had George Mueller just become self-absorbed, not really interested in living a sacrificial life or growing in his faith, what would it look like when he came face to face with God and God said, you know what you could have been, you know what you should have been, you know what you were designed to be, had you been willing to move beyond yourself? Man, we got to understand God's got an amazing plan for our lives, and our faith unlocks so much of that plan. That's why we're talking in this season about what it is to be kings, priests, and prophets of God. So Holy Spirit, I just invite you to speak in such a way that we would clearly hear your voice. I know that it is your voice that activates our lives to fulfill what you desire to see fulfilled. Forgive us, Lord, where we have allowed our cultural ideology to hold our faith hostage in places of independence, not understanding how much we need to learn to rely on you and to rely on your family. Help us today, Lord, understand we are gifted kings, and together we are called by God to transform our world. And everybody said, and everybody said really loud, amen. You and I are gifted kings. The scripture says uh, in Isaiah 9, I've been referencing this week, uh, uh, and it's important that we understand the famous Christmas verse, unto us a child is born, to us this king is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And that's what we've been focusing on. The government of God is on the body of Christ. The shoulders of Jesus are the body of Christ. We, you and I, as kings, priests, and prophets, carry the government of God or the kingdom of God into the earth in a powerful and profound way. So here we are, gifted kings, priests, prophets, the expression of God's government in the earth. Does everybody understand what a significant assignment you have? Do you understand? What I'm saying is very, very significant. The world is waiting for us to happen. We don't have to wait on the world to... You don't have to have the mayor of the city come and give you the key to the city before you go in and begin to transform the city. I don't have to have an invitation to go make a difference somewhere before I just show up because I'm on assignment from God to make a difference in somebody's life. 
This is, this is what we need to understand about our anointing and our call. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many of you know you've been called out of darkness to his marvelous light? How many of you are thankful you heard the voice of God prompting you to come out of that place where you were not living into a place where you understand life? I believe we ought to just thank Thank God for life and life abundantly today. And I want to say, keep on hearing what God has to say. That's the way you came alive, and listen, that's the way you stay truly alive. And so when you go out those doors and you see that vision board out there, pause for a moment and write your 2020 vision, your New Year's revelation, and post it up on the, the wall like some have already done. And we're praying and declaring that which God is revealing over each person's life in our times of prayer, believing God for the kingdom to expand as he activates all of God's people. I shared a story recently, and, and you know what I'm doing right now? I'm messing with your paradigm. You understand? I'm trying to mess with your perspective. I want to tamper with how you see things. And a few weeks ago, I shared about, if you remember, the golf pro and the king and the conversation they were having, and the king uh, in the Middle East said to the golf pro, I want to give you a gift, and the golf pro said, not necessary, but hey, I, I'm a golfer, so buy me a golf club. And then the, the golf pro is thinking, what is the king thinking when I say a golf club? And he imagined the best possible club he could imagine, and those golden clubs, you can pop those back up there, these golden clubs came to mind and said, $75,000 set of golf clubs. This is legit. This is like for real. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. Uh, you know, so anyway, that's what he's thinking in his mind. And then later he finds out that the king did buy him a golf club, but it was not a golf club that you swing. It was a golf club that you play at. And it's this. It is a 36-hole golf club. And my point was this. Kings don't think like normal people think. How many of you are kings in the room? Say amen. amen. Kings don't think like normal people think. How many of you in the, any of the room are kings with dreams from God? Say amen. So you understand, we think in a different form, a different perspective. We see the invisible, therefore we do the impossible. If you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. And you actually are designed by God and activated and awakened by God to see the invisible, to fix your eyes on that which is unseen. That's exactly what we're called to do, which opens up and awakens an entirely different perspective for us to behold. Kings don't think like normal people think. So let's stop thinking like normal people. How many believe George Mueller was a king? He, he was a king. He saw something beyond what you could see in the natural, and God answered his faith in a powerful and a profound way. Jesus lived in this constant state of superior information. I want you to think about it. He lived in this constant state of superior information. See, when you're living in a state of superior information, then there can be a scenario and a circumstance where 5,000 hungry people are standing around needing to be fed, and you actually can feed them with only five loaves and two fish. Why? Because you are in a state of superior information. You understand the supernatural, eternal power of God that can reach into your circumstance and transform everything about not only your life, but the lives of everyone around you. I believe God's activating our faith right now. How about it? Are you willing to allow God to activate your faith? Like right now, are you willing? It's dangerous business what I'm talking about. 
Jesus lived in a constant state of superior information. We tend to live in a constant state of inferior information. And he's trying to deliver us out of the inferior into the superior where we're focusing it on the eternal perspective that will transform everything about what God wants to do in our lives. Some of your children need to hear what I'm saying, and they need to hear it not by hearing a message, but hear it by observing it in your life. I feel very strongly about what I'm saying right now as a prophetic word from God. Some of your sons or daughters are designed and prepared and equipped by God to do things beyond your wildest imagination. How many know George Mueller had a mom and daddy? And when they were looking at him as a child, they didn't understand what he was to become. And I'm just declaring that some of your sons and daughters, some of our grandchildren in the room, maybe that have not yet even been born or come into existence yet, maybe they have. But I'm just saying I believe that there's something you and I are called by God, not only to release to our world, not only to possess in our lives, but to actually release to our legacy. Yes. Yes. In Jesus' mighty name. Mm, 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 mm. the prophecy came that jesus would learn in his lifetime in the earth to live from a state of superior information isaiah chapter 11 verses 2 to 3 the spirit of the lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he would delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not live according to the input of his natural eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. What would our lives look like? If we learn not to judge with human eyes or decide with human ears, what would our lives look like if we learned to abandon inferior information because we embrace superior information that takes us to an entirely different dimension of transformation in society everywhere we go? So here's the prophecy in the book of Isaiah. Then the fulfillment of that prophecy is in John chapter 12. And Jesus said, verse 49, 50, I've not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. I like that. He's commanded me what to say and how to say it. Verse 50, and I know that his command leads to eternal life. So I speak exactly what the Father has told me to say. Do you understand Jesus did not speak from his own initiative? You, you need to let this shape your theology. This is not just a general idea. This should shape the core of your theology. My goodness, Jesus is amazing, miraculous, walked on water, raised the dead, blind people saw. Do you understand how powerful Jesus was? And do you understand what he's saying here? It's not because Jesus in and of himself was powerful, but because he was a man that walked on the earth who was so given to the purposes of the Father that were awakened within him. I don't know if you realize or not, but 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 actually says, anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. That means the sound of my voice right now with faith in my heart, it has the capacity to break chains off of your soul. With faith in your heart and faith in my heart, come on, we have the capacity right now 
to chase hell back out of this city, out of this state, out of the, every state in this nation, out of every nation in the land. Let Jesus rise up. Come on, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Something is stirring in my heart to awaken and activate us to be pursuers of superior information. But we must be careful that we are not connoisseurs of inferior information as a way of life or we'll never discover superior information. Had an interesting experience when Pastor Steve Uppel was over from England this last year. He brought his personal assistant, uh, Nathan Duncan is his name, and we went to a coffee shop just to talk. Steve wanted to talk about a few sensitive things going on at the church, and so uh, Nathan gave us a little reprieve, and he, he said, well, I'll just go across the street and go shopping. And so we sat there talking about some of these things. It wasn't even 15 minutes later, Nathan comes back into the coffee shop and, and just sits down all the way across the room, giving us some room to talk. And so Steve motioned him over and said, what are you doing? I thought you were going shopping. He goes, well, I, I, I couldn't cross the street. So you understand, Nathan hadn't been in America before. So a couple of things that you need to recognize about this. In England, everybody walks. Okay, in England, like you would walk over to a crowd of people and you would walk across the street all together because that's just what everybody's doing. But Nathan was the only person standing out there trying to cross this four-lane highway with turn lanes at all four sections and stoplights and, and, and you know, walk, crosswalks, all that. Like, we understand you'd be able to do it, right? No problem at all. But he walked up there and he pushed the button and this was beeping and that was beeping and the, the light was turning for the turn lane and the turn was going to honk. Horns were honking and, and he, this said walk and this said don't walk and, and people were shouting, and, and, and these, it was sensory overload of what was going on. And because he was taking in everything that was going on in that moment, he caved in to have fear, not even able to cross the street. Isn't that ridiculous? When you're taking in all the information without holding out the information you should not be taking in, you will be paralyzed with fear, incapable of faith, because you have not learned a very important word that I want to talk to you about today, and it is your selective sensory perception. Selective sensory perception filters out what's not important and filters in what is important. You and I have been trained enough in our society to walk up to that same crosswalk, know which button to push, know which sounds to listen for, and know which sounds to block out so that we would have no trouble walking across the street, which seems so easy. I'm sure Jesus would say, if only you knew which things to block out and only which things to, to filter in, walking on water would be so easy. If only you knew what to hold out from getting into your heart, and if only you knew what to draw in into your mind and your heart, raising the dead and healing the sick and watching people who never walk stand up and walk would be so easy. Come on. You're anointed kings. This is God's plan for us to understand. Without this ability, sensory overload causes us to live in a constant state of confusion and doubt. So many things coming in from so many directions, and you are born and designed by God. 
to conquer giants, to remove mountains. I mean, this is just what the Bible says. Isn't it crazy? Some people would just say, you're just so radical. When I first got saved, I mean, I was in kind of a conservative atmosphere and, and not, not all spirit-filled people in that, in that particular atmosphere, that church that I was in. It was an interesting blend of individuals. And people would tell me all the time, you're just so radical. And I remember thinking, oh, I should calm down. I, I'm radical. I, I probably need to, to calm down. I, I just want to give you some advice. After all that I walked through and recognizing that, do not calm down. We need you not to calm down. We need you not to calm. Don't calm down. Whatever you do, don't calm down. I would rather deal with people who are not calm and a little bit out of control that I have to say, look, if you're going to come up and twirl in circles, maybe you should do that over there so you're not attracting attention to yourself. But go have at it and go for it. Maybe, you know, I don't, I don't mind having to pull the reins back. It's having to kick the church in the butt that kind of is hard for me to have to deal with. Come on, let's step out and do what God has called us to do and see the kingdom of God expand in power and might in Jesus' mighty name. You're anointed kings. I, I, I was really kind of blown away this last week. I was reading this, this article about uh, the bumblebee. And did you know that the bumblebee, according to the laws of aerodynamics, it cannot fly? According to the laws of aerodynamics, the bumblebee's body is too big and its wings are too small for it to fly. Therefore, technically, the bumblebee cannot fly. You know what the problem with the bumblebee is? It never had a conversation with anybody who said, hey, you're too fat and your wings are too small, you're not going to be able to fly. If the bumblebee had had that conversation, it would have just said, well, I'm just too fat and my wings are too small. I'll just never fly. Some of y'all have been listening to lies, filtering in things you should have never filtered in. If you can see the invisible and you filter out all the other nonsense, you can do the impossible. I'm calling on the body of Christ to wake up to the purposes of God and begin to allow the input of our lives to align with the eternal purposes of God. Let's let the input of our lives come into alignment with the eternal purposes of God. There is no reason why we need to be living within limitation. No reason whatsoever. What does God want to establish? In, what if you're supposed to help more than 10,000 orphans in your lifetime? What does God have in mind for your life? And we're trying to come up with, can I make it to church? I, I just, I'm not sure if I'm going to go this weekend. I, I, I'm not feeling it. I, I, I just, I'm not sure if I can trust God with my finances. If I give, I, I, I just don't know. You know, God has no problem making sure your rent, your house payment is taken care of. <laughs> he has no problem taking care of every need you have. And in fact, he says in his word, this is one area I want you to test me. Put me to the test. Put some seed in the house and see the harvest God will bring into your I, I'm not trying to increase our budget. I'm trying to equip God's people to be fruitful the way God wants God's people to be fruitful. There are a thousand voices screaming for your attention. Every single day of your life, there are a thousand voices screaming for your attention. 
And you need spiritual sensory perception to know what to listen to and what to filter out. And if you don't filter out the things you shouldn't hear, you will always live a life of confinement. But when you allow your revelation to get bigger than your environment because you've been listening to something God has to say beyond where you are, then you will no longer live a life of confinement. Learning to listen to his voice in the quiet place. Learning to listen to his voice in the quiet place helps you put into practice what it is to hear his voice every day, all day long. I'm just telling you, we are stepping into an incredibly prophetic dimension in this church family. There's a prophetic doorway that has opened. There's a prophetic doorway that has opened. And we're about to come into that prophetic doorway in an amazing way. Last week, uh, I was really ill. I was in bed, 102 fever. And Aaron Budd and I were having a conversation. Aaron Budd is not a preacher. In fact, he's a lawyer. How I many you know if God can use a lawyer? <laughs> I'll pay for that later. <laughs> Happy anniversary, honey. <laughs> we were talking on the phone. He was asking about some things. He said, you don't sound yourself. I said, oh, no. I'm, like, I'm bundled up under covers. Just, I'm freezing. I said, yeah, I'm running 102 tent, bro. If you could pray for me, that'd be great. So he began to pray. And it was really interesting because as he prayed for me, you know, it was, it was kind of a common get started prayer. Lord, help pastor. Not feeling well. And then he said, I'm asking, Lord, that by, and he paused, and I knew where he was going. He was going from, Lord, help the situation, to getting himself in a posture of actually naming a time that he would have to apply his faith and sense from God what to say for a breakthrough to happen in my life. It was a very different, all of a sudden, there was a marked difference in the way he began to pray. How many know you're not always going to get it right when you're trying to practice the voice of the Lord, but that's no reason for you to run scared like you can't ever get it right because sometimes you will. And when he, was, when, he, when he said, I'm just asking the Lord, bye. And in my heart, I sensed 5 o'clock. And I no sooner sensed that that then he said, by 5 o'clock, Lord, let his fever break. And this was like 4 o'clock. So, so Lord, he gave the Lord an hour. That's plenty of time for the Lord. And I'll tell you about 4.55, I, literally, I'm thinking from a standpoint, I wanted to feel better, but more than anything, I wanted to pastor this guy who attends our church. He usually is in the second service. And I wanted to pastor him. And I wanted to be able to call him at 5 o'clock and say, man, your prayer work, you were on. At 4.55, uh, I was still not feeling it. And so I just, I just paused at that moment. I said, Lord, I just set my faith. In, how many of you got to set your faith in agreement sometimes? I just set my faith in agreement, Lord. And, and, I, and I didn't even think anything else about it. Just a few moments were passing by, and then suddenly I realized, whew, I'm burning up, man. I kicked the covers off. And, and, and then I realized, I, I'm not freezing cold anymore. My fever broke. It was exactly 5 o'clock. My fever broke. It was crazy. I, I just want you to know God wants to do some things. God wants to do some things to awaken us, and we're stepping into that. Last week in our... This, tonight's our last class for the 3D leadership class, 5.30 
in this auditorium. Last week, we were in here, whatever, 60 to 80 people in the room, set up at all these tables. And something began to happen prophetically that was profound. And people started hearing God and declaring words, speaking what they were hearing. And then other people in the room, they started writing down what God was saying to them. And interestingly, several people in the room wrote something down And then after they wrote something down, somebody else came and gave them a prophetic word that was exactly what they had just written down. Isn't that amazing? The very thing that they had heard and written down, then God spoke to somebody else. And they, I just, I want everything God wants us to have as believers. I don't want to play church. How many of you willing to step out on the limb where the fruit really is? And not just dwell around the trunk and just hope some stuff falls off. I believe God wants us to climb out there. So, challenge you in these 40 days. Really dig into a place of prayer, a place of the Word. Get familiar with the Turn the Page Challenge. If you can join us for prayer, do so. We'll be kicking back in in the first week of January. We have one more Tuesday morning prayer uh, this Tuesday, 6 a.m. If you're able to do that, plan that first 40 days to be here for Tuesday, 6 a.m. prayer. Uh, 9 o'clock prayer on Sunday. We come in here and we pray just a, a seven-minute declaration challenge for uh, you know that which is ahead for the morning. And so come in if you're able to be here at 9. Let's do whatever we can to really press in, get in the Word, gather as the church, give as the church, seek God as the church, fulfill everything He's called us. And listen, find your place in the body of Christ. We need you. We need you. We need everybody focused and really getting what God's wanting them to get. We need you involved. Anybody sense conviction in your heart this morning? It's a loving conviction, but it's conviction in your heart. God just taking you deeper. Anybody here just want to go deeper? I just want to answer that appetite. Come on, let's stand together. Take us deeper, Lord. Take us deeper, Lord. Deeper, deeper, deeper. You know, these first 40 days, the first Sunday, we're going to have this um, community group expo out in the lobby. And all the community groups, you'll be able to kind of see those. If you're new to us, you're not involved in a group, and you want to... go through what's called Discover Destiny, then that same day, we're going to be meeting upstairs for new families or individuals that just want to understand more about how to get more plugged in, involved, what that looks like. Then we'll be doing that between those two services. And for new folks, we're going to step into a five-week focal point called the Discover Destiny Community Group. All of our groups are going to be doing the same focus, cooperating with the Sunday message and discussion questions those first five weeks. But if you're not sure how to take a step forward, then that's what this Connect card is really all about. We want to help you take a step forward. We want to cooperate with whatever God's desiring to do. How many believe God wants to do something in your life in this next year? Can I just see? Raise your hand if you believe God wants to do something in your life. I believe God wants to do something in your life. If you need help with steps and stages of what that looks like, we are here for you. And I want to invite you this week, your action point, purpose a specific time and a specific place to listen to God every day this week. Would you do that? Would you do that? Don't just come be motivated. Come be activated.
So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us right now begin to see the place, to see the time, to see how this fits with each of our individual schedules. I know, Lord, you'll reach into each of our lives uniquely the way we need you to reach into our lives. And so we just invite you to have the conversation, Lord, you desire to have. I pray, God, as we purpose place and a time to meet with you that we would know that we truly have met with God as we take time just to read and pray and just listen just whatever time that looks like just a purposed time just to really get before you and say Lord we just surrender our hearts and we surrender our lives we just agree in this moment how about right now we just surrender our hearts we just surrender our lives Jesus have your way in the name of Jesus have your way Lord Maybe you're here, you say, you know, I don't, I'm not even sure I know what it is to walk with Jesus in something beyond the idea of religious devotion. Somebody told me I ought to go to church. Somebody told me I ought to pray a prayer. I never really have entered into a personal relationship like what you're describing. Just without anybody looking around, would you just reflect on this in your own heart? Is that you today? You're here. You say, I'm not sure I'm where I need to be. As a Christian walking with God, I want to I pray a prayer and make that declaration and start to be introduced to a deeper level of that. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. So I just want to make a decision to go deeper, a decision to step into that place. Thank you. Lord, we honor you today. We recognize that you are the Savior of the world. Do you believe that? Say amen. We acknowledge you died for our sins. If you believe that, say amen. And Lord, we believe that you came to redeem our lives, and we want to surrender everything that we are completely to you and learn what it is to walk with you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.